broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Midtown Business Radio. Hey everyone, it's CW. Thanks for checking out this week's Midtown Business Radio show. I was really pleased to get a chance to meet this week's guest in the studio. Coach Mark Todd, or Coach Mark, is a man who started out as a young boy knowing he wanted to be an entrepreneur, wanted to be able to build his own thing. And when he was in college, he had the opportunity to, with a partner, start a business. It was actually a nightclub they were trying to get off the ground. They had an interest in DJ work and wanted to try to create their own entertainment venue. Unfortunately for Mark and his partner, they learned the hard way. They had working capital to go along with your budding business while you try to get it up and running off the ground is very important and they ultimately failed before they got too far out of the gate but in the process of trying to promote that business Mark realized that he had a knack for graphic design and decided to pivot and try to make that his new business 15 years later he's got a very successful nationally known graphic design business that served many in the entertainment industry musical artists and many other businesses Mark shared his story about how he was driven to not give up overcome what seemed like insurmountable odds and push forward doing everything he could to make his business work. It's a really great story, and it just goes to show you it doesn't really matter where you start from. It doesn't really matter how bad your situation is. If you dedicate yourself to learning what other successful people are doing, as he's very very much a student of, you can have what you want. And now Mark is using his time to try and mentor others who are coming after him, help find the way to successful entrepreneurship and a better, more rewarding life. Coming up, here's Mark talking about why he's doing what he's doing. Always wanted to do this. Always wanted to inspire people I always wanted to write a book I just said you know what I'm gonna but it would get a little frustrating because you come across something that's really great and you know that it has brought so much value into your life and has helped to change your life and then you give it to somebody and then they don't read it you know and it gets really frustrating <laughs> yes so about a year ago I decided that you know what I'm gonna do these weekly calls I just made up my mind I'm gonna do these weekly calls where I'm just gonna share everything that I've learned for the week or everything that I've learned from my past on these weekly calls and whoever wants to listen can listen to it right i'm not going to charge any money and if people don't want to listen they don't want to listen you know and i i had to realize that it's never for anybody else to change i'm the only person that can change Mm -hmm. you know and when people would find it when they're ready you know so even the people that you want so badly to to change and to change with you and whatnot you know what they'll get it when they're ready and it's there for them you know so that's what kind of led me in the path to do what I do now, which I do these weekly calls. And last week I just celebrated my 52nd call. So I've been doing it for a year consistently, no breaks or anything, you know, regardless. And several of my calls I've been outside the country because this year alone, I've probably been to about six different countries. And even when I'm overseas, I still do my live calls every single week. That's what kind of got me there. Stick around. Coach Mark Todd talks about how he turned failure and obstacles into success. Good afternoon, everyone. It's C.W. Hall, your host here on the Midtown Business Radio Show. Thanks for making us a part of your day today. I'm pleased to have in studio coach and mentor for entrepreneurs and individuals looking to improve their situation, Mark Todd, or Coach Mark, as he likes to be called, (laughs) joining me on the microphone. And he's not an athletic coach. He's here to help you find a better you. Coach, thanks for taking some time. Thank you very much. It's my honor to be here. I understand you spend some time on the airwaves. You do some podcasting yourself. You've been featured on a number of different shows talking about these types of topics, helping people around the community. So I really appreciate you joining me here on our show today. 
Thank you. Thank you. For the folks who aren't familiar with you, talk about your, your background, because from what I understand, you've been successful in business yourself. You were able to build a business up that was doing really well. You were able to do some investing in real estate and was able to develop enough of a basically an income stream, if you will, to get to the place where you are right now. And that is where you are able to actually give of yourself and, and give your time and some of your expertise, your personal experiences to hopefully help some other folks maybe follow in the same path to some measure of success themselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, essentially it started, you know, as a, as a kid, I don't know how much time we have with this. As a kid, I was always drawn toward entrepreneurship. You know, I just felt that if you wanted to be really, really successful, if you really wanted to have a lot of money, if you wanted to be rich, I think that that was it, that you had to have your own business. So I was always that kid that was starting all different types of businesses and whatnot. When I went away to college, back when I was 18, continued on, I had all types of businesses. And right before I graduated college, I went and opened a nightclub. <laughs> <laughs> now, what was that like? You, oh you're, you're still in college. How, right, how did you right. capitalize that? Man, let me tell you, that was probably one of the worst and greatest experiences all rolled in one. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I ended up falling completely on my face. But I mean, the lessons that I learned in that is really what has me where I'm at right now today. Now, how old were you at the time? I was 22. And, you know, at 22, you think you know it all. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, and I always say that if you've never done it before, it's all theory. We went in, me and my roommate. Essentially, we were DJs. And we did not have the, the town that we went. We were in Tallahassee, Florida. And there weren't enough venues. We couldn't find good venues to be able to DJ and whatnot. So we said, you know what? We're going to create our own venue. We're going to go in and, and get a building and start doing our own parties there. You know, we probably didn't realize how difficult it was, you know, getting the licensing, doing everything that you needed to do. We went ahead and he had a little bit of money from when his mom passed away. Uh -huh. And I went and did something really brilliant. I took my student loan money <laughs> and started this. You went uh, all in. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, I went my first because I had a scholarship. So I went my first three years of school without any student loans or anything. And then my last year, I needed to have a 3.0 to continue getting my scholarship. And I ended up getting a 2.99. <laughs> so I had to take a student loan anyway. So uh, I just took the money and used it to start up this nightclub. You yeah. know, it was an amazing experience because like I said, you know, we go in, we think that we know it all and we do something that I call like doing the math. Right. So we sat there and said, OK, and how many people that have businesses have done this? If we get 500 people every single night at three dollars a head, we're going to make fifteen hundred a night times five. That's seventy five hundred a week Woo. times four. <laughs> that's, you know, that's thirty thousand uh, a month times twelve, three hundred and sixty. In three years, we'll be millionaires. Just didn't work out that way. You know? <laughs> didn't manage 500 a night. Nah, not quite. Maybe like one or two a night. <laughs> I mean, it was a really humbling experience because yeah. I definitely was a little know-it-all kid. You know, I, I thought I knew everything and it was a great experience. You know, I learned a whole lot. I had a, around the same time in my life, around that same age, uh, a friend of mine and I became familiar with what was at the time an emerging industry called paintless dent removal. Are you familiar okay, with it? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. we were in Springfield, Missouri, and uh, some of the folks that were early on in that space were there. And so I linked up with this guy. We we took out a loan and spent like $14,000 learning how to do this. Right, Getting right, tools. Right. It get, it, right. We got the tools in a few, I don't know, remember two or three weeks or so of training. Right, right. And... Then we're going to go set off and 
conquer the uh, the automotive industry by knocking out dents for you know forty five dollars a shot, right? Right, right. And uh, we didn't realize the whole notion of capitalizing your business, mm-hmm. <laughs> having some money that you can operate on for a period of time where you don't necessarily have to take an income out of the business uh, to cover things like. Um, advertising, marketing costs, right, whatever right. the case may be. And so any kind of downturn in flow of business meant, oh, geez, I got to go get a job. So right. yeah, we learned some hard lessons, too. We, oh, made it, yeah. we made it for nine months before we had to pack well, it in. Well, that's good. That's good. That's good. <laughs> so you guys were, um, uh, I guess it was you were relying on that income as well. You didn't have anything no else going other job. on. We, right. didn't, we, we picked up. We were in Springfield. Um and we were looking around for robust car markets, and I don't remember exactly what took us to make us. I don't know if there was some connections there. It's been long enough ago now that I don't remember. But we moved from Springfield, Missouri, to Greensboro, North Carolina. Oh, okay, set, okay. set up totally, totally new. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> so you guys, so it wasn't like you were live. You could live with your parents and no. and, and could float we off had of nobody. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> I see, I see, I see. So yeah. yeah, that that was a that was a good lesson that you got to have some measure of capital, right. or at least built in cash flow if you're going to take over a business, right? That right, will right. sustain itself, or otherwise you're going to be paying to play. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, but you know what? These things that happen to us in life, you know, they're they're always great tools, great teachers, because I can guarantee that the lessons that you learned from that. Are, are the things that have helped you to get to where you're at right now. So when you were that young man and you and your your partner were going through that process, what for you do you think was the biggest two or three lessons that you learned along the way there in that process? Oh, my gosh. I mean, there's so many different things. Um, man, uh, you know, just to even kind of go into that, uh, that time frame, uh, how bad, cause I could definitely understand what, what you were saying, because we had no other income at all, you know? So, um, not only did we have to pay for our rent and all that stuff for where we lived, um, we had to pay all the business expenses and it was crazy. I mean, we were literally running from our landlord all the time. I mean, things had gotten so bad that we had to steal food just to eat. I mean, things had just gotten, uh, my car got repossessed and, um, just, all types of things. Man. Yeah, it was it was really, 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 um, a really rough time for me. You know, um, some of the lessons that I learned, like find a mentor. You know, find a mentor. That was probably one of the biggest things because if we would have found someone that had already done that, then now we didn't have to go in there and reinvent the wheel. We could have just followed exactly. If we would have done that, because, you know, at 22, nobody can tell you anything. Sure. But um, if we would have actually just went in and, and that's one of the, the probably one of the best lessons that I've learned from one of my mentors now is that if you want to be successful, the easiest way to become rich or to become successful is just to do what other successful people do, you know. So um, definitely, you know, finding a mentor is probably one of the greatest lessons that that anybody can learn, because, right, you know, once you do that, um you don't have to recreate the wheel. So know? now you're a young man. You go through the process. You and your your friend, you launched into a business. Didn't go well because just like me and my right, my right. friend at the time, we, we didn't understand the whole capitalize your business, have some measure of income or capital that you can get by on right. while you're building the business up. You right. don't go from zero to 60 overnight. So when that when that began to happen, what, now that you're standing in the midst of the ashes, right? You've <laughs> lost your stuff. Right. And, I was uh, the ashes. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> What then? What happened for you that started you on a vector towards success? 
Well, you know, one of the great things that happened during that time period, I mean, I was just, you know, I remember just waking up every single day like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Because we were getting towards the end of that business. I had graduated from college. My parents pretty much cut me off as far as like, fine, you know, they were helping me a little bit while I was in college. And they're like, you know what? You graduated. You're on your own. You got to do your own thing now. And I didn't really feel comfortable asking them for any sort of money and whatnot. So I just had to figure it out on my own. During that time period, I learned a really great skilled. I learned how to do graphic design because I didn't have the money to pay people to do our marketing material and whatnot. So I went in and learned how to do it myself. So I ended up turning that into a business. So that wasn't your schooling then? No, 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 no. I actually, I started school as a mechanical engineer. And after my first semester of (laughs) pre-calculus, I mean, we were supposed to actually start with calculus. And I said, all right, let me take pre-calculus first just to kind of get warmed up. And I failed it. And then I said, all right, I'm going to take it again. And then I took it again and I got a C. And I said, okay, this mechanical engineering thing isn't going to work out for me. So at the time I had taken, I was also in a history class and I became very fascinated with history. I think it was my teacher that I had. So I said, you know what? I'm going to go to school. I knew I wanted to start a business, right? So Mm -hmm. I was essentially just in school because... It was just the thing that I was supposed to do, you know, that my parents wanted me to do and whatnot. So I said, you know what? If I'm going to be in school, I might as well. I'm going to go to school, get a degree in history, and then I can teach when I graduate. If I don't have my own business started by that time, I'll just teach. And then I'll have the summer times to go ahead and to launch my own business. From there, you started doing your graphic design work. Right, right, right. And how did you find clients that were going to pay you for that? You know, um... What happened was that I had a lot of people that had seen the work that I was doing because I was doing the graphic design for my own, uh, for my own company, you know, for my own, for the nightclub itself. So, and the, the, the graphic design that I was doing, no one in that area could do it to the skill level that, that I was doing it at, you know? What was making it stand out? Um, just the creativity. And it wasn't that I was, cause I'm not a super, I'm not an artistic person or whatnot, but, uh, I came from, I grew up in South Florida, in uh, Miami, uh, Fort Lauderdale area. And then the flyers, the graph, the flyers, the promotional materials that they were using down there were completely different than, you know, cause we were, uh, incorporating pictures and models and all that type of stuff onto the flyers. And everyone where I was at were just doing the promotional flyers where it was just all text. So it read like, you know, something that came out of the yellow pages or yeah. something like that. So, you know, just that style, you know, I, I just went, you know, I would go, uh, when I would go back home and visit my parents, I would always go to places and collect all the flyers and just take the ideas that they used and then bring it to where I was at. So how did you, did you acquire some computer software or something like that that would help you kind of work on that sort of thing, doing your designs? And You know, one of the great things, <laughs> and this is actually not, not a great thing, but um, uh, I don't know if you remember, if you went to, uh, in college, they used to have these tables set up where they would give you these credit cards. They, all these companies, I don't think that they do that anymore, right? But all these companies would set up on the college campuses and say, and dangle these credit cards and say, hey, come and get this free money right here, right? Uh, yeah. So um, I remember I was like, man, I can get me a credit card. So I remember I got these credit cards or whatever. And the one smart purchase that I did with my credit card was I went to Circuit City at the time. It doesn't even exist anymore. Yeah. But I bought a computer. So um, I bought the computer and my cousin, uh, who I lived with, uh, who was my roommate, 
he was into uh, com- he was really heavy into computers. So he gave me a few graphic design programs. And really what happened was he was supposed to be designing our flyers and whatnot for us. And he would never do it or never do it on time. So it kind of forced me to learn how to do it. Mark Todd of Coach Mark Speaks, a believability coach who works with individuals, helping them improve themselves and have a higher probability of achieving success through their efforts at entrepreneurship or or business. Joining me in the studio, sharing his story about how as a young man, he and a partner of his had launched into business before they really knew, uh, much like many of the entrepreneurs that just want to go out and go their own way, launched into something and uh, took some hard knocks going through that process. And he's describing the fact that through that, after that kind of fell apart and had to try to find his own way, uh, found that he had a knack for graphic design, as you're describing. That was part yeah. of what you were trying to do to promote that business, which you first launched, which was a nightclub. Right. And found out, oh, I kind of got to got a feel for this. And so did you then start as you, you got your computer and acquired a little debt in the process? Um, were you able, were, were you interfacing with like a, say a print company of some sort or something like that to actually start putting it out on different, different materials or how, how, right. how, how were you executing your graphic design? So essentially, you know, the, the, the fortunate thing for me was at the time we didn't really, you know, we had the internet, but the internet wasn't huge. So I found a print company that would print for me and a lot of and other people just didn't know about it. Right. So I went to them and um, they gave me some reseller pricing and whatnot. And what I would do is this: I would advertise and tell people, hey, you can go ahead and get your flyers printed. I'll design it. Or if you have it already designed, you can send it through me and um, I'll go ahead and get them designed and I'll get them printed and I'll get shipped to you anywhere in the country, wherever you're at. So, you know, I was able to work out a really great deal with the print company. Like they may have charged me for um 5,000 flyers, which was the standard order in that uh, particular industry at the time. They may have charged me like 125 or 150 bucks. I would just mark it up to $250, mm-hmm. you know, and that was still cheaper than most other traditional print companies. So, so you were, you were so determined to be on your own rather than necessarily going, did you go, did you get any kind of a job that you were working or Never. you were just trying to scrap it together by doing yeah. this work? Yeah. I don't even think to be honest with you, um, the only job that I ever considered getting after I started the nightclub, when, when I started the nightclub, I was probably about 21, 22. And the only job that I ever considered getting was Subway, even with a college degree, because I graduated mm-hmm. and um, never considered getting a job. It, did, it just wasn't on my radar. You know, I said, you know what? Things get really bad. I'll go become a sandwich artist. <laughs> and um, that way I knew that I wouldn't, get comfortable and get stuck with that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, a, it would have been an easy job, you know, and I would still be able to focus on doing my business. So during that whole time, I don't think I ever got as rough as things got, as bad as things got, right? My car got repoed, didn't have money to pay rent, um, was stealing food just to eat. As bad as things got, I never, ever considered um, going out and getting like an official job. I mean, I, of course, I was doing I remember I was uh, bouncing at someone's nightclub. He would have a, a, a actually one of my competitors that ended up <laughs> running me out of business. <laughs> um, 
he had a um, club and I would go to his club. Um, he would hire me on Friday and Saturday nights. And basically he can pay me 50 bucks, man. And I would work for him all day. I mean, that's how bad things got. I mean, I would, he would pick me up in the morning time and he'd have me passing out flyers to promote for his club. He would have me, uh, he would literally have me just all day, you know, for maybe $50. And I was just so grateful. I was happy for that $50. Cause you know, during that time, I think rent might have been my portion of the rent was like 250 bucks. Right. So I mean, like, you know, I can do that four, four times a month and, and at least cover my rent, you know? And uh, I would clean up the bathrooms. I would do do anything that I had to do. But, you know, all those experiences made me who I am today. So it, it kind of helped me to become really appreciative and grateful and not take anything for uh, granted. And, um, you know, I wouldn't take anything away from those. Now, for you as an individual, where would you say, because uh, it's something I wrestle with today. We're not a political show, so I don't want to wax all political. But as it comes down to the notion of, Making your thing. I'm going to do something. I'm going to, I'm not just going to sit here. Right. Where did that come from for you as an individual? You know, that's a great question. Um, I don't care how bad it gets. I'm going to, I'm going to rise out of this. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because I, I, I had the same thing. I, could... I was, I, I failed. We had nothing. I, you know, I went and got a job and, you know, but I, I don't know why. I just never, I never thought of not. Right, something. right, right. I think that once you start to expose yourself to other people, and I, I know like right now where I get it from, because um, like I said, I've gone in and, and really over the last three or four years to study success. And I realized that everybody that was successful had failures, right? But the difference between them and the people that are not successful is that the people that failed, they looked at failure a little bit differently. They didn't allow it to stop them, you know? And I don't know if it's something that I just knew instead instinctively or what you know at, the, at that point in time but i just i just didn't see any other option you know i knew that there were better there was better out there right and i knew that it was attainable and i you know one of the things that really helped me especially when i started after i got through with the club because i was going through a really low period at that time because things were really bad and um i saw these two guys there was a guy that was in orlando florida and a guy that was in atlanta because at the time i was living in tallahassee and these guys were doing really successful in the same business that i wanted to get in and their work wasn't as good as mine and i said you know what if these guys could do it i can do it too so sometimes we just need to go out there and study other successful people and 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 once you do that you find out that you know what these guys aren't any smarter than me or you they just had whatever in them to keep going. They just decided to keep going, to keep going, to keep going. And that's why they're at where they're at. Mm -hmm. So when you started, you realized through the process of starting that first business, it was kind of fortuitous in a way because it led you to Absolutely. what turned into a successful business for you. You had the opportunity to get some equipment that you could use to kind of pursue that graphic design right. track that you got on. Right. How long did it take you to develop what you would consider basically a good sustaining income with that. And how did you go about that for that budding young entrepreneur who's just now thinking, well, I'm really good at this. I'd really love to give it a go. How long did it take you from that time when you start, went from transition from doing it for your own club to, I think I can maybe do this as a Ryan. fee for service kind of thing. Um, let me kind of run through the process in my head now. So in 19, I think I, we started the club, Sometime maybe the fall of 1997, right? We ended it at the end of 1998. So beginning of 2000, um, beginning of 1999, 
Uh, I was kind of I was doing the graphic design a little bit here and there, and I was doing all kinds of other whatever I had to do to make some money to be able to pay my rent. And I and I want to say that at the end of 1999, it was no at the close towards the end of 1999, I was also throwing parties as well. And then me and a f- two friends of mine, we ended up throwing this big party and uh, for fam for the homecoming. For our, our college's homecoming, right? And that's when people, thousands and thousands of people come in town or whatever. And we do this big party and we made some money. So we made about, I think we could have made like $50,000, right? But we only ended up because the fire marshal, the place got so packed that they ended up shutting us down, right? So we made about $18,000. And... um after, because we had arrangements with the uh, radio station that kind of promoted it, and we'd give them a piece of the money so we didn't have to come out the, our pocket. And by the time we paid all the expenses, my cut was probably around like $2,000, $2,500. And remember now, at the time, mm-hmm. my car had gotten repossessed, so I didn't have a car. So I took that $2,500. I'll never forget driving home. I was borrowing a friend's car. And and that $2,500 was like everything to me. I, I thought that the whole world was going to be following me home to try to take my money, right? <laughs> so uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I took that $2,500, and then I went and bought a used car from one of my friends. So I started the year, I'd probably say I really started my business at the beginning of um, 2000. And within, and I made up my mind, after I, I, I bought my car, I paid for my insurance, and um, I maybe had a little bit of money. I said, I'm going to put all, I'm going to focus all my energies into building this graphic design company. And I would say that within a year, less than a year, I was making six figures. Wow. From absolutely nothing. You know, and probably less than maybe eight months or something like that. I got to really go back and think. But in less than a year, I was making six figures. My goal and really and truly my goal at the time was only to make $50,000 a year. That was the benchmark for me because I remember just growing up, my dad was always, oh, I make $50,000 a year, this, right. you know, back in the 80s yeah, and whatnot. Right. So I said, you know what? If I can make $1,000 a week, I can show my dad that I can make as much as him. You know, so that was really my only goal. You know, I don't at that point in time, I don't think I necessarily had a goal to become a millionaire or anything like that. I just wanted to make as much money as my dad. And then he would look at what I was doing as being credible. Right. And I remember telling my mom that, like, if I do four orders a week, I'll make a thousand dollars a week. And and she probably was like, yeah, okay, whatever. (laughs) And um, I did. I probably did it. I probably got to 50,000 in about six months. So what what method, how did you go about securing clients and letting them know this is what you did? Uh, what I did was I just went out there and uh, one of the things was that when I would do flyers for other people, it would have my name at the, I would have my name, uh, we call uh, a tag. So it would say like flyer designed or printed by, and the name of my company was Mark Star Graphics and it would have my phone number. So um, I would I would put my tag on the bottom of all my flyers. So all the nightclubs and, and uh, promoters and everybody that would order my flyers would have that tax. So if they passed out 5,000 flyers, they just passed out 5,000. And then at the time, Business there was, cards, right, yeah. right. So at the time, there weren't a lot of people doing it. So then uh, everybody started, people would just call me. People would call me. And then one of the other things that I did was I ordered my own set of flyers and I would just go to different cities 
and just pass my flyers out, pass my flyers out. So I would go drive to like, um, I would start off like go to Jacksonville, Florida, right? And I may have had a buddy that stayed down there. So I would just stay on his couch for the night. And then during the daytime, I would just go to just businesses. I would just go to all different types of small businesses and like strip malls and leave maybe a stack of 20 flyers and say, hey, how you doing? I do flyers. Do you mind if I leave a few flyers on your countertop? And most of the time, 90% of the time, they'd be like, yeah, that's cool. And I would just leave and just go to different business, different businesses, different business. Then I go to different cities. You know, I would come to Atlanta um, and stay here for maybe two or three days. You know, and during that time, we didn't have GPS. So what I would do is I would go in the phone book. I would, as soon as I get to Atlanta, I'd go to a phone booth because at the time, <laughs> we, right, there wasn't, um, uh, everybody didn't have cell phones. Yep. So I would go to uh, a phone booth. I would steal the phone book <laughs> or I would take, I, I, I actually what I would, I wouldn't even steal the whole phone book. I would, uh, take the, uh, pages for the record stores because my clientele oh. were, um, people that were, uh, had record labels. I was really big into the entertainment industry and, um, my clientele. So what I would do is I'd go to all the record stores. I would go to a gas station, buy me one of those big maps for like six bucks <laughs> and try to, um, and try to like map it out and say, okay, uh, flat shows, okay, peach tree. There's like two record stores. So I'm gonna go to this one first and this one. Not realizing in Atlanta, there's like 35 peach tree streets, you know? <laughs> so, you know, Atlanta was a little crazy for me. Or sometimes you'd have like a street like, um, flat shows where there's a version of flat shows in Southwest Atlanta. And then there's another <laughs> one on the, on the East side of Atlanta, you know? So we get a little crazy. It'd be like, how come, how come this street dead ends? Like, where's this, this yeah, record? It changes store, you names know? when it crosses a road. Yeah. Right, right, right. So, you know, it'd be a little crazy, but, um, that's what I would do. And I'd just go to different cities. You know, I'd go to different cities for a day or two. One time, I'll never forget this. Me, this is in 2000. This is after now I've been doing it. I've been making some money. I'm making some decent money. I had me a couple employees at the time. And um, me and one of my employees, I ordered about 50,000 flyers, right? So I ordered about 10 boxes of flyers. I had them shipped to Chicago. Me and one of my employees, we flew to Chicago, rented a car, and then we we passed out uh, maybe about 10,000 flyers in Chicago. We went to um, record stores, strip malls. I mean, and we had no, we didn't care about the neighborhoods that we went into. We probably went into some gang infested. I mean, we, we were just so determined and focused that we were going anywhere. People be like, are you going to that side of town? I'm like, yeah, there's, there's three record stores over there. I, I gotta go, you know? And we just, and we would pass them out. We went, we stayed in Chicago for three days. We drove from Chicago to, um, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We stayed there for a day. Then we drove from Milwaukee to Cleveland, Ohio. We stayed there for a day. We went from Cleveland to Cincinnati, Ohio, stayed there for a day. Went from Cincinnati to Detroit, Michigan, stayed there for a day and a half. Went from Detroit to Flint, stayed there for a day. Went from Flint to Indianapolis, Indiana. Indiana, stayed there for a day, and then went from Indiana to St. Louis, <laughs> stayed there for a day, and then drove from uh, St. Louis back to Nashville, then back to Tallahassee, Florida. And what our um, what our schedule was is that we would, um, during the daytime, we would go and promote, you know, pass out the flyers, go to these different strip malls, meet people, pass, pass the flyers out, uh, gain connections and whatnot. Then um, during the evening, when the stores are starting to close down, maybe around five or six, I would go to a Kinko's because at the time I didn't have a laptop, mm-hmm. right? Or, or even if I had a laptop, and I, and I did have a laptop, but I just didn't have a, um, you know, there wasn't mobile internet right, and right. whatnot. So we would go to Kinko's, 
I would do all my work, send it out to the uh, to my printer that was in Florida to get, you know, to still be able to get work done. And then we would go grab something. Uh, no, we would go grab something to eat. Then we would drive to the next city, get to the next city around three o'clock in the morning, find a hotel, check in, sleep till about eight or nine, get up, eat breakfast and do the same thing over again. Man. And so clearly you you had a mission. right? Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and so now you start to see the, the, the revenue coming. That was 15 years ago. Yeah. And so t- what happened from then till now? Um, so in about, so I did that. That was that trip that I told you about was in 2002. Um, I ended up moving to Atlanta. I had a lot of customers in Atlanta because I would come to Atlanta quite often and pass out flyers and whatnot. And then the music scene was really starting to take off during that time. And um, so for me, it was just just remarkable timing, you know. And then one day I decided, I said, you know what, I'm going to because I, I think I was getting more calls from Atlanta than anywhere else. I said, I'm going to move to Atlanta. And I, I made that decision. I came down here to do some work for a basketball player. He had hired me and um, to actually do some video because I used to do videography work as well. So he hired me. And then um, I was like, you know what, I'm moving down here. That was like in September 2003. And by December 2003. I was in Atlanta. I moved my whole office here. So I rented this big house in um, Lithonia. It was like a five-bedroom house. And I moved all my employees. And as everybody had their own room. Wow. And then we just turned the <laughs> living room and the dining room into offices. And and that's what we did. That's what we did. And so you still – that's still – that business is still going. Yeah, that business is still going. We ended up, um, I mean, it, it grew to a business where I had about 14 people working for me at one point in time. We had went in, um, bought our own print print machines, million-dollar printing presses and everything, you know. And then probably about 2009, so I'd been doing it for uh, in Atlanta for about five, six years. And um, I, I just kind of wanted to get into something else. You know, after a while, you do something for a little while, you kind of get tired of it. And... Um, I got into real estate, you know, and that's when the market crashed. I didn't know anything about real estate. I had a bunch of clients at the time that that had been doing real estate that had been trying to pull me in, but the deals just didn't make sense, you know, and I'm a very logical type person and I think things through. And if it doesn't make sense, I'm not going to, I don't care how, how much sizzle you add to it. If it doesn't make sense, I'm not going to do it. So I didn't do it. And I, and I ended up not getting into real estate. And, and I had all these clients that were driving Ferraris that had all this money for like, oh, real estate, you got to get into it. And I was like, eh, I don't know. Something about this doesn't add up. So I never got into real estate. And then back around the end of 2008, beginning of 2009, one of the guys that worked for me showed me this house online for like $10,000 on like three acres. I was like, $10,000 for a house? And then um, that's what kind of piqued my interest. And then I started doing some research and I started seeing all these foreclosures and everyone's saying, hey, you know what? Um, don't get into real estate. It's horrible. That's the worst thing to do. It's the best time to be buying. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, was it John D. Rockefeller that says that when there's blood in the streets, when everybody else is right. So I always try to do what against the grain, you know. So if everybody else is doing this, I realize that, you know what? Everybody probably won't end up rich. So if everyone's doing that, then I need to be doing the opposite. 
You know, Warren Buffett had a, a quote that essentially said the same thing, too. Like when everybody is excited, be fearful. And when everybody's fearful, that's when you make your move. For the budding entrepreneur out there, we're talking with Coach Mark Todd. We're hearing about his entrepreneurial story as he started out basically with just as a energetic college student, tried to build a business, failed for a number of reasons, capital being one of the biggest ones. Absolutely. And you finally, through that process, happened into a talent that you had and you saw an opportunity to maybe be able to charge some people to pay the rent. Right. And uh, as you got going, you did a little math and realized that you had the capacity to actually make a pretty good income. So you built that into a business. At what point did you begin to draw on, you you mentioned mentors, how did you avoid the pitfall of basically taking that revenue and just thinking, woo, that's a paycheck, you know what I'm saying, where you you didn't take out of your business all the revenue flowing in? Because I'm sure as a young person, it's tempting not to do that, so that you actually have something that your business can live and grow on. Right, right, right. Just that fear of going back to where I was before. You know, um, and that's what always kept me working hard. That's what really kind of helped to um, establish my work ethic. You know, I remember where I was at. I, I, I will never, ever forget those um, those nights of having to go inside the 24 hour grocery store and having to steal food just to be able to eat, you know, um, coming home and phone is cut off, coming home and the lights are cut off, you know, and those memories, um, you know, you just will never forget. So that is what really always kept me focused, you know, uh, and during the time when I mean, we were making so much money and whatnot. I mean, I enjoyed life a little bit and whatnot, but I always worked hard, you know, and I would never, ever uh, really just go out there and blow my money, you know, because I just re- I remember those days. That, and I know that, you know, a couple wrong moves and I can end back there, you mm-hmm. know, so. And so now 15 years on, you've got a successful business is still operating. You've got somebody that's evidently from a management perspective, able to kind of keep that going, letting you have some time to get out and do your your work with the, the coaching work that you're doing now. And as we were talking before we went on the air, you've not necessarily up to this point been so focused uh, on the coaching aspect of it as a revenue right. stream per se, right. yet you've been giving that away. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, one of the things that I, you know, I I knew that I was always that type of person that wanted to inspire people, you know, and um, I would come across a great book that 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 meant something to me that I was able to draw from. I was that guy that was always going to share it with other people. You know, I would listen to a motivational speech or I'm that guy that would go into the CD duplicator and press up a 100 CDs and just start passing them out to all, all the people in my family. So I always wanted to do this. I always wanted to inspire people. I always wanted to write a book and whatnot. I just said, you know what, I'm going to. But it would get a little frustrating because you come across something that's really great and you know that it has brought so much value into your life and has helped to change your life and then you give it to somebody and then they don't read it you know and it gets really frustrating <laughs> yes so about a year ago i decided that you know what i'm going to do these weekly calls i just made up my mind i'm going to do these weekly calls where i'm just going to share everything that i've learned for the week or everything that i've learned from my past on these weekly calls and whoever wants to listen can listen to it Right. I'm not going to charge any money. And if people don't want to listen, they don't want to listen. You know, and I I had to realize that it's never for anybody else to change. I'm the only person that can change, Mm -hmm. you know, and when people would find it when they're ready, you know, so even the people that you want so badly to to change and to change with you and whatnot, 
you know what, they'll get it when they're ready and it's there for them, you know? So that's what kind of led me in the path to do what I do now, which I do these weekly calls. And last week I just celebrated my 52nd call. So I've been doing it for a year consistently, no breaks or anything, you know, regardless. And several of my calls I've been outside the country because this year alone, I've probably been to about six different countries. And even when I'm overseas, I still do my live calls every single week. That's what kind of got me there. Now for you, when did you pick up an interest in reading uh, materials that might help you improve professionally, personally, that lead to greater chances of success? Probably, unfortunately, probably in my 30s, probably. And I just turned 40. So it's been within the last 10 years, you know, but, um, you know, I can't advocate read. I man, I can't promote reading enough. You know, everything that you need to learn to take your life to the next level is inside of a book. You know, and you're able, I mean, just by buying someone's book for 10 bucks or 20 bucks, you're able to take in all the wisdom, all the, um, you know, everything that they've been through, right? All everything, all their mistakes that they've made, you're able to learn it just by reading their book, you know, six hours of your time, you know, and I'd rather take six hours and read somebody's book versus go through 10 or 20 years of mistakes and setbacks and failures and all that type of stuff, you know? So once I understood that, then I understood really the importance of reading. Like right now, my library at my house, I have over a thousand books. What do you? Th- what are the types of books you you gravitate to? So that all the person who's listening to you today, personal development and document and, and biographies and autobiographies. So not like you know Harry Potter, <laughs> right? And nothing against Harry Potter, sure. You know? But um, all uh, self help, personal development books. I mean. I have, like, like I said, I have over a thousand books in my library at my house. I probably have thousands of ebooks and thousands of audio courses. I mean, I, when I tell you I study success, I study success. Just this, there, this year alone, I probably watched about close to a hundred either documentaries or interviews on successful people. Cause like I said, when my mentor told me the easiest way to become successful is just to find out what successful people do and do the same thing. That was it. It was over. Now, when when you're doing your weekly calls, what are folks? What are they when they call in? What are they What are they looking for? What are they calling you to to ask you about? So so folks can have an idea of what we're talking about. Um, it's just people that want change. You know, uh, it's it's people that want to improve in life. They know that there's something a little bit better than where they're at right now. Because I believe that we're all put on this earth to to get better. Right? We're either growing or we're dying. You know, and if definitely if we're not growing, we're dying, you know. So it's people that they might not even have the confidence or um, that they can really make something. But but they they do know that they want some sort of change, you know. And um, usually uh, my calls are spread by word of mouth. You know, someone will listen to it and impact their lives and they they'll send it out to all their family members. Like, hey, you got to listen to this guy's calls. You know, um, you got to listen to this guy, man. He's amazing or, you know, or, or whatever. And um, that's it. You know, th- there's people that are, that are looking for change, that are looking for something a little bit more than where they're at right now. Well, speaking of reading, you, you've got a book that you brought me, Repeat After Me. Yes. You yes. want to talk about that real quick? Yeah. Um, essentially, man, I, it's just a book that I put together, um, kind of like an intro to personal development. You know, I understand for a lot of people that it's difficult. You know, you see these big books that look like the yellow pages, right? That have all these words in there, like the Bible, like 10 million words in it. And it, and it, and you say, man, I don't have the time to do it. You know, I don't have the time to read it. So what I wanted to do was create a book where 
all it requires you to spend is about five to 10 minutes a day. You know, the way that I broke the book up is into 30 chapters and each chapter you can literally read in about five minutes. So if you read one chapter a day within a month, you'll be done with the book. And I can guarantee you this. If you read the book and apply the lessons that I have inside the book, you will see a humongous change in your life within 30 days. Now, you you've so far, you've said you've been giving this away. Yeah. Where can can folks go and and pick this up? Because you said there's a there's a downloadable version. Right, right, right. So it's in some bookstores here in Atlanta. But my focus, honestly, has more so been just to give away the book, the online version of the book. If people want to buy the physical version, they can reach out to me on social media and find me and um, I'll I'll make sure that they get a copy. I'll either direct them to one of the bookstores. But um, people could go and download the book for free at www.repeataftermebook.com. All right. And do you have a recommendation of a book or two beyond Repeat After Me? Because clearly this is one that folks want to try out, especially after hearing your story and and hearing how you were able to keep yourself motivated and driven and and expanding on your skill set, expanding on your knowledge and and, and following what other successful people have been doing. So do you have a couple that made a big impact on you that people might want to check out? Um, Obviously, like Napoleon Hill. Um, laws of success. People always talk about Think and Grow Rich, which, which is a phenomenal book. I think that that's probably the book that more people accredit to their success than any other book. But um, for me, with Napoleon, Think and Grow Rich is a phenomenal book, but um, The Law of Success and 16 Lessons. That was a great, great, that was the first book that he wrote. Um, you know, I don't know if you know his story, where he was, uh, his mentor was Andrew Carnegie, which was the richest man at the time. Um, during the end of the uh, 1800s, beginning of the 1900s. And, and essentially, Andrew Carnegie passed on all this knowledge to Napoleon Hill. And Napoleon Hill, you know, studied under him for like years, probably like 20 years, and then wrote this book, you know. Um, so Napoleon Hill, Earl Nightingale, um, Wayne Dyer, who just passed away recently, is um, probably one of my greatest mentors. I've learned so much. He, he released probably about 41 books. And I probably have almost all of them. (laughs) And I've watched a lot of his um, PBS specials as well. Um, Mark Victor Hansen, T. Harv Ecker. I mean, how much time a day do you devote? Tony Robbins. Um, I don't watch any TV. I don't watch any TV at all. You know, Um, the only time that I watch, I don't watch TV at my house. The only time that I might watch something is when I go to the gym. I, I go to the gym and on the treadmill for about 30 minutes. I'll, if there's a show that I want to watch, that's when I watch it. You know, the rest of my day, I, I listen to a little bit of music, but generally the rest of my day, I dedicate to personal development. So I'm listening to something or reading a book. Or, you know, even if I don't have the time to read the book, I'll um, read and uh, listen to an audio book pretty much all day or watch documentaries on um, YouTube, you know. That's awesome. It's a really, really inspiring to to feel your energy and to hear your story about how you launched into a business as a young kid, not knowing anything, just like I had done right. years ago, fell on your face. And, and rather than just kind of moving into the parents' basement and working at Subway, as you talked about, you decided right. that you were going to keep after it and built a successful business, was able to find yourself investing in real estate and, and building some, uh, something that's going to be a long-term plan for you. And now here you are, you're giving of yourself, trying to share some of that with other folks to help them hopefully have the same kind of path. That's really cool. Absolutely, Because I think anybody, any and everybody can do it. 
you know, any and everybody, you know, you just have to go in there. And, you know, one of the things I always say is that a chef at Waffle House can't teach you how to become a gourmet chef. So if you want to become a gourmet chef, you need to go and learn from other gourmet chefs. And the problem with most people, the reason why they stay stuck where they're at is because they've been trying to learn how to make gourmet food from a Waffle House chef and nothing against a chef at Waffle House, but he's, he can only be a Waffle House chef, you know? So what I just really advocate is this go in there and learn from gourmet chefs, you know, go in there and learn from other successful people. Well, Mark, it's been a treat to take some time and talk about your story and, and be able to put this out there for folks to help them understand that maybe times look bleak for you right now, but if you have a measure of desire and, and determination that you can start with next to nothing or less than nothing and even Absolutely. build yourself up and actually have a very successful business or career, whatever the case may be, that you can actually do it if you apply yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. And your website, you said, is Power in a Half Hour. Yeah, powerinahalfhour.com. And they can go on there and listen to any of my other um, previous 53 calls um, that I've done or, you know, find me on social media. My name on uh, Facebook is Mark Star or the real Mark Star. And that's with two R's. Yeah, with two R's. Right. right and right. then you're on Twitter at Coach Mark Speaks. Yeah, Twitter and Instagram at Coach Mark Speaks. And for for the book, you can go to, as you mentioned, there's some local bookstores. Repeat After Me is your book. You can link up or, you know, reach out to Mark to uh, find out where you can get a copy of the hardcover uh, or the, the the paper book book or the downloadable version, whichever the case may be. You can find some good tips in there from Mark on how you can change your path and improve your situation a little bit. And if you've not done so already and you're checking out our podcast for the Midtown Business Radio Show, if you look in the upper left-hand corner of the show's page, you'll see the Apple logo there. And that'll take you to the iTunes store, Midtown Business Radio Show podcast. Subscribe to us because you'll be able to get the weekly episode downloaded to your device. Check us out while you're driving to work or walking the dog, whatever the case may be. You'll be able to catch up with cool entrepreneurs like Coach Mark here and many others that we've been bringing you from around the Atlanta area and beyond. So uh, for, for Mark, it's been a real treat to get a chance to sit down, talk about your story and uh, feel your energy. It's been really cool. Thank you. It's, you know, I, I just want to thank you for just having me on here and exposing me to your listeners. And it's been my honor. Well, for the folks who made us a part of their day today, we really want to say thank you very much. We really appreciate you. We respect your time. We know it's valuable. And uh, I look forward to hooking up with some more cool guests. Make, make sure to make an appointment to see us same time, same place next week. We'll see you then. <laughs>